And good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, March 7th, 2018. We've got a great show for you this evening. How many of you are interested in abundance? Ah, a lot of you. Well, we've got the perfect guest for you tonight. We've got Derek Rydell. He's going to come on the show calling in from California, and he's going to tell us about The Abundance Project, his follow-up book uh, to Emergence, which came out a couple of years ago. And um, I'm really looking forward to chatting with him. He's, uh, from what I can tell, I've seen him uh, on a couple of podcasts, listened to him, and uh, checked out his book, and he seems like a, a real guy's guy. So I'm looking forward to our chat. So let's just get started real quick and uh, talk about what's going on, and then we'll bring Derek out uh, very shortly. Um, Here we are, March 7th. uh, We had a major nor'easter here in New York City, and it crippled uh, the uh, parts of the East Coast. Thought we were done with winter. People were going around about a week ago. They had no shirts on. They were running, biking skateboarding, and all of a sudden, bang, we got two northeasters, uh, nor'easters in a row. Today was uh, a lot of wind. It's just tailing off now. The snow, probably a couple of inches only in the city, but it's just slush everywhere. You walk outside, it's just cold, wicked winds in your face, and then just about two inches of slush all over the sidewalks and the crosswalks. So it's just like, why am I not living in San Diego? I will be, but not this year. It's going to take another year. But anyhow, that's part of the New York, the New York lifestyle. You got to deal with it and you got to love it because when it gets nice here, there's no place better. It's really beautiful in the spring and the fall. Um, so what else is happening besides the weather? We get past the weather. It'll be a sunny day tomorrow and we keep going. Um, uh, about 1971, tomorrow is March 8th. That was the uh, day of the famous Ali Frazier fight. Ali Frazier won at Madison Square Garden, probably the most famous prize fight in the history of boxing. Uh, it was a real event. I remember uh, I was in uh, school at that point, high school, and uh, very excited about it. In those days, you didn't get, you couldn't watch it. You couldn't hear it on the radio. We didn't have computers then. So you just had to wait till the next day or on the radio hear what the result was. And then uh, we'd wait. At a certain point, we got a replay. And I think it was only replayed like once for about 10 years. It was crazy. Uh, But it goes down as kind of the greatest heavyweight championship fight in history. So another anniversary, I assure you, in the sporting pages of the papers tomorrow, they will mention it. It always gets mentioned. Let's see. It's uh, 57 years now. Wow. And both uh, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier are gone. Um, and it's a, boxing is a whole new world now. But uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun. There was some, it seems like the sport was a lot more fun in the past, but uh, a lot of times it's just revisionist history. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to our guest tonight because, uh, you know, a lot of times on Guys Guys Radio, we talk about relationships. We have relationship experts. We have some uh, metaphysical folks. We've had channelers. We've had uh, spiritual guides. We've had authors. And it's always good to get uh, a new voice, some of the new guys coming into the uh, fold here. And uh, that's why I'm very excited to speak with uh, with Derek, because uh, he's got a fresh message. And yet it's not a new message. It's a updated version of, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff about energy and frequency and manifesting and abundance and alignment 
it's, you know, it's as old as the hills, but it's now for some reason, and it's good, people are getting turned on again by it and realizing that um, we have a lot more power than we think we do. And I think that's the message. People don't realize how much power they have. And collectively, our collective consciousness can change the world. And I think the powers that be are afraid of that because they know it's true and they're no dummies. So we get, uh, when you have the TV on, you get a lot of garbage there, whether it's mainstream media, whether it's Fox news and faux news and fake news and CNN or whatever, we're just getting, or distractions like sports and uh, movies and TV shows and binge watching and all of that. A lot of it is a distraction as to a lot of the stuff that's going on. And it's hard nowadays to realize like what's real and what isn't real. And you have to go inside you have to go inside and determine who you are, how you're connected with everybody else, and then how to get into alignment with, with your life, with truth, actually, the truth of who you are and the truth of who we are, and then raise your frequency through coming at life from starting with your heart. And it's not easy. And I'm a work in progress. I take a, uh, I take a spiritual enfoldment class with a woman by the name of Jeanette Meek on uh, Tuesday nights. And it's a group of us from around the country who are on Skype. And uh, we get together with some guides who come in, ascended masters that uh, Jeanette channels. And um, we ask questions and, uh, you know, it doesn't get real personal. Every once in a while, somebody has a personal question. But it's usually about how we can deal with uh, what's going on and uh, understanding some spiritual principles. And to me, it all boils down to truth and alignment and realizing that we create our lives and what abundance is and what it isn't. And that's why I think Derek is going to shed a lot of light for us on the show. So I'm going to bring him out in a minute or two, and then we'll get rolling. Um, I usually do a little segment called Guy's Guy of the Week. I'm going to do that in a moment. Let me see what else I have on my list, Esto, things I want to touch on. I'm not going to get into the politics uh, there's not really a lot going on with sports, you know, when, when, when it boils down to they're showing uh, the uh, college, the college football guys going through drills and stuff and rating, you know, you're, you know, you know, it's that time of year where it's kind of before the beginning of baseball, it's a month after football, March Madness is just going to kind of kick off this weekend with the, with the regional uh, league tournaments. And then, uh, you know, uh, basketball, the playoffs, to happen starting like April through June. So if you're a sports fan, this is kind of a kind of a dry period, if you will. So it's good. It's good to take a step away. So the other thing happening is taxes. Um, I, as I always like to say, I believe in getting them done early and getting them in. It's it's just better to do it that way. It uh, you avoid issues usually by getting their stuff in on time, having your house in order. Um, the other thing I'm working on right now is. Uh, I told you guys about my diet, the uh, process of elimination diet. So what I've done is I eliminate one thing that I shouldn't be or don't want to be eating every week for the year. And uh, I'm up to 10 weeks now and I gave up ice cream. <laughs> and I had found that after I give up one thing, I'd replace it with something else. So I finally got around to something that was sneaking away from me. And I couldn't catch up with it. And I finally said, ice cream's got to go. And you know what? I forgot about it because now I'm thinking about, okay, what am I going to give up next week? Every Sunday I start 
And what I do is I go on a little binge before I give it up. So today my wife asked me, hey, I'm going to Whole Foods. You want me to get anything? I'm like, mm-hmm. get me a bag of potato chips, and uh, which I rarely eat, but I just had, I needed a salty snack. So she got the chips, she got a bag, I got a bag, and we munched a little bit together. And uh, this Sunday, I'll be giving up potato chips for the rest of the year. So it's interesting. So each week, something else comes off. And this is, I'm the uh, guinea pig for my uh, my program, and I want to see how it works. I've, I've lost a couple of pounds, but I've had so much more energy, and I've worked out a lot. They've actually put some muscle on, so I really haven't lost a ton of weight or anything. But it's going to happen because I'm, a, by process of elimination, getting rid of a lot of things I shouldn't be uh, I don't want to be uh, consuming. And it's, once, it's, it's easy. Once you get rid of something, you forget about it very quickly when you go through this process because you know something else is coming up the next week and something else is coming up the next week. And you just think about it one week at a time. And uh, you don't want to blow the thing. So I want to go. I'm doing the advanced program that I set up for myself. So it's 52 weeks. But that one of the challenges is finding things. Can, can you find 52 things to give up? Because other interesting thing is, I, I gave up something big at the beginning. I gave up alcohol for the year. That's not easy if you're a moderate drinker. And uh, so, but I gave it up. I haven't missed it um, going on the third month now with it. And then, you know, I'll give up something on week 51 and I'll only have to give that up for a week, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I'll keep reporting on it and uh, hope you guys uh, uh, are taking care of yourselves and sticking with your New Year's resolution. You know, it's never too late to make a resolution. It doesn't have to be New Year's. You can do it anytime. And hopefully you'll be uh, inspired by it with our guest. Um, so we're going to take a very quick break, and I'm going to bring on, bring on Derek Rydell. Welcome back to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny. I want to tell you about our guest tonight. Derek Rydell is a part, he's part of a new generation of spiritual visionaries and thought leaders, and he's the author of the bestseller Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life Change. He's trained top executives at Fortune 500 companies and in empowered leadership and communications and has coached celebrities, media professionals, including Oscar and Emmy winners on creating consciousness entertainment, which I think is fantastic. His spiritual principles and success strategies Support a message of finding your path, living your purpose, and making a powerful impact. If you've got a question for uh, Der- uh, Derek, give us a call, 347-945-5834. This is Guys Guys Radio, the place where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. Our special guest calling in from California is Derek Rydell. Good evening, Derek, and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. Hey there. So good to be here, man. I was listening to you before and just loving your conversation. Oh, well, thanks. And I really enjoyed, uh, I, I got to tell you, I am thrilled to have you on the show. I listened to your, uh, your podcast with, uh, Marsha Y. Tekka. Uh-huh. And, uh, I thought you did a great job and it was very interesting. And I, I got a copy, advanced copy of your, uh, the book and checked it out and, uh, went on your website and uh, I really like what you're doing, man. So thanks being, for being on the show. Um, oh, thank you so much. Do you, do you mean the book, The Abundance Project, the recent one? Yeah, I got it. I, I got awesome. the digital, you know, an early version. I kind of powered my way through it, and it's fantastic. So uh, we're going to get into that. Let's start at the beginning, though, because you have a really interesting story. You come from, uh, so you're from Southern California. You, your dad, I think, was a director. I think you mentioned, and um, you my did uncle, a lot of uh, odd jobs and stuff. And then um, you, I'm going to take it up to the point where you had your kind of. Uh, 
uh, inciting incident, if you will. Uh, <laughs> when you were, uh, knows, knows drama. <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, my novel, uh, the guys, guys, guys to love, I was out there pitching the screenplay and a TV series for it. So I, I and my writing partner, he just got his first movie. I, I just, I saw it recently. It's fantastic. Uh, and actually won, oh, a, uh, won, won an award. So it, you know, it can happen. So, but anyhow, I know you come from that background. Tell us a little bit about yourself um, and uh, lead, us, lead us up to that inciting incident and how everything changed for you for that point and how you got on aligned with this path you're on now, Derek. Absolutely. I'll tell the hero's journey of Derek Rydell. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, I do want to deeply apologize that our weather here in Southern California is so much nicer <laughs> than yours right now. <laughs> uh, I have a place in LA and San Francisco though. And San Francisco is a little more dreary. Um, but uh, yeah. So, you know, first of all, I've been a seeker all my life. I, you know, I didn't understand what was happening. You know, that's my, my origin story for the hero's myth is uh, I was always a seeker of truth in some way and always a seeker of the best in people. And in fact, when I was a teenager, I used to have these spontaneous outbursts of affirmation from my teenage friends, you know, like, oh, my God, man, like I could see like who they were. It didn't go over so well. They're like, you're weird, dude. Like they used to call it the love bomb. They called it the love bomb and they did not mean it in a good way. Um, so I was like, ooh, maybe that is weird. And I sort of put that underneath for a while because I was kind of weird and I didn't want to I wanted to fit in. Um, and, uh, and so I went along and eventually I became an actor and uh, was, you know, an up and coming successful actor doing movies and TV and on the verge of the big breakthrough. You know, my agents and managers had handled like Tom Cruise and, you know, mm -hmm. I was friends with Brad Pitt and a lot of people that went on to become stars. Um, and, and I was doing um, well. And so I was doing this, you know, whole sort of self-improvement period of my life. I was like, OK, I'm going to you know, become great at my talents. I'm going to heal my childhood. I'm going to get over all that heartbreak and pain and loss. And, and uh, I'm going to achieve my dreams, you know, and improve myself to the level where I can achieve my dreams. Like so many people do. And after over a decade of self-improvement, the only thing I'd really improved was my ability to describe why my life was so screwed up. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I was yep. very, very, I had a lot of improvement in my ability to, point to all the issues in my past that were causing all the problems in my present, but there wasn't any real transformation in my life. In fact, I was more frustrated. I felt more inadequate. It's like all my efforts to improve myself were like trying to dig myself out of a hole, but the more you dig, the deeper in the hole you actually get. Yep. And eventually it led me to become addicted to drugs and alcohol and to almost die of an overdose. And I remember lying in the emergency bed you know, thinking how in the, you know, how in the world did all of my efforts to improve my life get me there? And it wasn't enough. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you that. How did, how did that get yeah. you there? Well, well, that's what I mean. This is the, and we're going to explain how this gets us there. It doesn't get everybody there to that extent, but I'm going to explain mm -hmm. how it actually does. The idea of self-improvement does create a lot of problems. And, um, but I didn't know that yet. You know, that's the only model I had. It's the only model most people have. And, and so I didn't understand it, and, and I didn't get the message that the path I was walking was the wrong path. I just thought, I need to work harder, I need to work smarter, I need to try to try this thing called attraction. I, I just need, thought, I just, not, I just mm -hmm. don't know enough yet, I'm not doing enough, i got to redouble my efforts. So I did that, 
And, you know, whenever you re-engage something, there's momentum. And so things started to look up for a little while. And a few months later, I was doing a movie in, in Jamaica, a film, um, and everything started falling apart. They're firing the actor, the director. They kept me, luckily, but had a breakup on set, terrible romance thing. And one day I was just, like, so tired of I just couldn't catch a break. I went diving in a reef on my own, which was my first mistake, and, um, and then I prayed to get lost from everything above, which was my second mistake. I didn't realize that my prayers actually worked. And uh, very quickly in this reef, I got very lost. I got trapped in a pocket of, uh, it looked like an underwater tomb out of an Indiana Jones movie. It was mm-hmm. like giant rows of spiked coral beneath me within inches of my throat, my face, my stomach. And, and inches apart from that, was a wall of fire coral all around me. So I couldn't touch the walls or it was like a thousand jellyfish things and I would have gone right into these spikes. I couldn't lift my head out of the water or my stomach would have been skewered. I couldn't breathe deeply or I would have been punctured. So I had to breathe in these short staccato breaths and use my fingers just to paddle to stay at that water level so I wouldn't sink Mm -hmm. onto these spikes and be, be skewered. So I was stuck there. Nobody knew I was there. It was starting to get dark. I was exhausted. I was completely running out of options. There were sand sharks starting to swim beneath me. And at a certain point, after all of my attempts to figure out a way out of this, I realized I wasn't going to get out of it. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to explain what that feeling is like, except that I knew I was going to die. And there was nothing left except to surrender to it. You know, I already tried to negotiate with the universe. God, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll go to church on Sunday. (laughs) You know, the universe wasn't making any deals. In that moment of surrender, real unconditional surrender, something cracked open, and I had a vision. And I saw that this guy I had been trying to improve was a fictional character, an amalgamation of peer pressure, parental fantasy, societal conditioning, and nothing I ever did was going to make him enough. But right behind him, there was another me. And he had never been hurt, so he didn't have to be fixed. And he was already complete, so he couldn't Mm -hmm. even be improved upon. And it was just a flicker, but in the next instant, I was out of that pocket of coral. I still don't know exactly how, but I was standing outside looking in, and it was like a maze I had been caught in, and it was like a metaphor for the life I had been living, you know, swimming Mm -hmm. through this maze, following all the brightly colored objects, gasping for air and drowning. But it was so shattering to my ego that I pulled out of society and I tried to become a monk. And uh, I mean, I literally, the guy that swam out wasn't the same guy that swam in. And I eventually, the monk thing didn't work out. So I sort of cloistered myself in my apartment and went on this inner journey. And that's when I discovered what I eventually called the law of emergence and became my first book around this topic. Um, And when I understood what I understood was that just as the oak is already in the acorn, and the acorn doesn't go out and achieve an oak or improve itself into an oak or even attract an oak. When the conditions are right in that acorn's environment, when they match the pattern already in the seed, the Mm -hmm. oak of its being naturally emerges. And I saw that this is true of all of nature, even the universe in the quantum field, you know, when the conditions are right, the potential emerges. So that Mm -hmm. shifted my whole life. I began to practice what was downloading And I went from being broke and literally suicidal, living on 19 cents boxes of mac and cheese, 
I got very good at mac and cheese, just a little mm-hmm. side note. <laughs> got it. But I eventually went on to, you know, grow my life and launch a business, seven-figure business, travel the world, million-dollar homes. All the things I've been struggling for were now unfolding as sort of a natural process, not without challenge, but naturally, the way you were supposed to unfold. Let me, let me ask you a question, Derek. So yeah. how did you uh, – you're, you're down, it's a fascinating story, and thank you for sharing with our audience. Um, how did you get your – what were your downloads like? Was it when you were asleep or, you know, you had your V8 moment when you kind of got out of that maze under a coral? Yeah. Uh, how, yeah. You know, how, did the, how did you get the – what was the process – and maybe it's not a process, but the step that took you from, oh, my goodness, I'm seeing everything wrong. I've got to get into the right alignment to you're starting to yeah. get downloads to be able to create the life that you are uh, is is your truth, really. Yes. Yeah. So first, at first, it was organic in the sense that I knew something dramatically had happened to me. I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And so I began to be a student of what's going on, you know, um, and I began to meditate to try to contemplate that moment in the coral reef um, to understand what it meant. I began to sort of ask questions of my consciousness, my subconsciousness and my concept of God or the universe or whatever. I didn't actually believe in God. In fact, to me, God was a terrible thing and a terrible name and I couldn't even say the word, but I knew there was something more and I just began to make it a priority and I, and I spent hours every day at that point. It really became the most important thing in my life, reading, studying, going back to the ancient teachings, the Bible, the Buddhist texts, Christ, you know, Hinduism, all of that, which before that I had sort of looked at and didn't understand any of it and had literally thrown the Bible across the room more than once because it was just a bunch mm-hmm. of gobbledygook. Sure. After this experience, when I went back, it was like suddenly, like before, you know, you don't speak a language, and now you learn the language and it all yep. makes sense. And mm-hmm. I began to read these ancient texts and see that whether it was Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, Lao Tzu, Abraham Lincoln, or the philosophers mm-hmm. of our times, they were all touching upon what I ultimately would call the, the perennial truth teaching. And what they were saying was what I had experienced, what I had seen in that moment, but didn't have the words or language for. And mm-hmm. so it all started to make sense. And again, as I began to get these insights and awarenesses and the energy shifted in me and and the inspiration unfolded and talents and gifts began to unfold, like I was, like I had been unplugged from the source of energy and suddenly I was plugged back in again. And, and, And the most important key was I did really begin to realize that the biggest flip is we've been born in condition to believe that our power and our source of safety, security, love, abundance is outside of us. And we have to go get it or earn it or become worthy of it or whatever. It's exactly the opposite. We brought it all with us, right? It's already in us and we don't have to go out and get it. We have to go within and let it out. And that was the big shift that I already have everything. I don't have to, I'm not on my way to a better life. I'm literally coming from the source of the substance that creates all of life. So that was the biggest shift. And, and, I, and then I, as the, the ideas began to come through, then I actually had to practice it. And that's a really right. important thing because knowledge is not power. Knowledge that is acted on and activated eventually becomes integrated and becomes real flesh and real experience. And so I had to create a practice. 
And so I did. I began to take what I was learning and create practices, simple things like, okay, instead of me going to this relationship or job or situation to try to get anything from anyone, let, let, if I already have it, what is it that I want to meet when I go into that room? Let me bring what I want to meet. So if I want to meet love and help and support, let me bring that to the room. And as a result, I began to discover I was meeting more and more and more of that wherever I went. It's mm-hmm. like, ooh, did that they change or did sense. I change? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a funny thing. It's like, who changed here? They're suddenly so much nicer. They're giving me more opportunities. They're rewarding me, recognizing me. Did they just suddenly change or is it because I'm bringing that? And that's when mm-hmm. I began to see there was really something there and I codified it into a framework that could be duplicated in every area of my life. And that's why okay. my life began to blossom. That's fantastic. Let's talk about um, uh, the abundance project. Um, abundance is something that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's for real and it's, it's also a buzzword. And I think you would agree, Derek, yeah. that a lot of people get it wrong. And you say, and I agree with you a thousand percent that, you know, abundance isn't money. So tell us a little bit about, and you also talk about incre- the importance of increasing circulation. So maybe take uh, us yeah. through uh, how the mistakes, because I, what I would like our conversation to do is help people who are out there, everyday folks like ourselves, be able to take action and get their own yeah. alignment in place. Um, so let's, yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, they get manifesting all wrong and they get abundance all yeah. wrong in terms of defining it. Yeah. And t- teach us a little bit about that, Derek. Absolutely. I mean, you're, po- you're, you're focusing on just the perfect thing. Circulation is the key to all creation and growth. And abundance is the substance of all creation. It's not money per se. Um, and, I, and so we've already talked about the first kind of foundational idea, which I call the great reversal, which is that life doesn't happen to you. It happens through you. It comes from you. So whatever's missing is what you're not giving, what you're not bringing, and ultimately what you're not circulating into your life. So that's the first big piece. Mm-hmm. And that was a piece of the emergence framework that I suddenly discovered held the key to abundance. And um, so, so it's all within us. Whatever's missing is what we're not giving. That's the first piece. The second thing is understanding, as you said, that wealth or abundance is not material. It's not dollar bills, stocks, bonds, houses, cars, jobs, whatever. It's, it's the same substance that the whole universe was created out of. And, you know, we had, there was nothing seemingly, and all of a sudden there was everything. So the stuff comes from non-stuff. This is self-evident when you look at the origins of life or you look at the acorn and you see that there seems to be nothing there and then there's a mighty oak tree. So the substance of the oak tree is not material. In fact, they did a study where they took a, a tree, put it in a bath, measured the volume of the soil, grew the fruit, pulled the tree out, remeasured the soil, the volume had not changed. And so the substance of the fruiting of the tree, which is the abundance of the tree or the wealth of the tree, or so it seems, was actually invisible. It was the mechanism the tree had to turn this energy in the quantum field or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. into something real. And, um, and so you look at the fruit on a tree, when all the fruit's gone, that, if that was the wealth of the tree, the farmer would say, okay, let's cut all these trees down, <laughs> right? They're done. They, they, yep. We got all the wealth we can. It's like the goose and the golden egg. Let's just kill the goose, get all the gold out, and we'll be done with it. And they cut open the goose, and there's nothing there. That's a metaphor for this truth that 
The wealth is this invisible mechanism, capacity, energy, that when we know how to use it, we become like a divine power plant. And when we get the power plant up to full production and it's generating all of this energy, it will produce the products in our life that we need according to our unique plan or purpose. So, so that was the first piece. And so the substance of wealth is not dollars. So you look at an old statement like the love of money is the root of all evil. People think and have been hurt by that because they believe it's bad or they feel guilty if they have too much or, you know, a lot of heart-centered, good-natured people have a lot of baggage around wealth and success and money because they think money is the dollar bills. And this whole saying about if you love money and you want it and you have it, you're bad. But when you understand that wealth is invisible and that money is one of the symbols, like the fruit, um, and that you know, it's dollar bills today, it'll be cryptocurrency tomorrow, it was you know, yep. furs and chickens you know, in earlier mm-hmm. days. Um, even the thing, salary, which we think is what we get paid every week, that has nothing to do with money. It actually comes from the ancient Romans because they paid the Romans in salt. So salt was the coin of that realm. And currency, which we think of as it means money, doesn't have anything to do with money. It comes from the root of current that is about flow. And affluence mm-hmm. also doesn't have anything to do with being wealthy. <laughs> we think, oh, he's so affluent. That has nothing to do with being wealthy. It comes from a root that means to flow. So we start to see that wealth is invisible, and the more flow you have of that energy of wealth, the more current you have, the more currency you produce. And so that's the second piece. Okay, so it's invisible. It's within us. It's this energy, the same way the trees produce fruit. We can produce wealth and abundance, the fruits of our own life, whether it's more love, more work, more money, more creativity, more opportunity. Now the final piece is, okay, how do I start getting within me out? And that's where the most important idea, which is circulation. Wherever there's circulation and increased circulation, there's more growth, there's more life, there's more green, literally if it's dollars or nature. Wherever there's lacking of circulation, you get stagnation and eventually the diminishment and the death of that system. Like a body of water, if there's not circulation, it becomes a swamp where nothing will grow. So, so this is the framework for understanding how abundance is produced everywhere in nature. It's produced through understanding how to turn on this circulation capacity. And, and then we get back to the core idea. One of the reasons why we are not circulating enough, why we don't have enough, is we have broken circuits because we have a belief that we don't have something and we're going to go get it or we're waiting for it. And so what happens when you're waiting? circulation stops. What happens when you're in a relationship and you're waiting for them to validate or approve you before you give your love and validation back? Circulation stops. And it it begins to stagnate that relationship. But as I talked about earlier, what happens when I stopped being a victim of anybody and I started becoming, as Gandhi said, the change I wanted to see in the world and bring and circulate the excellence, the inspiration, the creativity, the love, whatever, what I found is I began to meet it everywhere I went because I, my channels, my circuits were repaired and I was beginning to now generate the energy, the volume and the velocity 
or the quantity and quality of energy you circulate equals the level of abundance you create. Okay. So, so let me ask you a question. The core framework. Yeah. Okay. So I, I know you had mentioned uh, when I saw you previously that um, this takes time. So uh, it's not an instant, this is not a magic pill. So how, how, because you, know, you had to slug it out for a while and as we all do. And I think part of your message was uh, that that's good. You, even though you're not discovered, if you will, yet, just keep doing it. And, it, and it's, it's actually happening because you're creating that circulation. Is that, is that correct, Eric? Absolutely. Now, a couple of things. First of all, obviously, in the book, I break it down step by step in very simple, mm-hmm. practical, daily practices to do all this. But and we're kind of laying the foundation here. So I don't want people to think it's all highfalutin conceptual right. stuff. It's very, very practical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, absolutely. You know, you, um, it, it can take time. It's like the uh, analogy of the Chinese bamboo tree. You know, you plant it, water it, weed it, feed it. And in the first year, nothing. You keep going in the second year, nothing. <laughs> Third year, nothing. And if by then you're not going and killing the person that sold you those seeds, you want to give up. <laughs> But if you stay for the fifth year, give or take, within a matter of weeks, it grows eight or nine stories tall. Mm-hmm. What's going on there? It was Good working analogy. from day one. It was working, but it was building the root system capable of sustaining such majestic creatures. And so, but you don't see it because it's underground. And what happens with a lot of us when we do anything is we start doing the work. And then we kind of peek and see, is it working? Like pull up the seed and see if it's growing. Right. And we just, right. um, we just pulled it up and now it's not growing. And, and then, you know, at a certain point, we give up. And we don't understand that at that threshold is where we're about to give up, where we either get scared, tired, bored, frustrated, or follow bright, you know, shiny object syndrome, change directions, change paths. That moment is the moment where real growth actually begins. So like when you're working out, you were talking about working out earlier in the, in the mm-hmm. show. Um, if you can do 10 reps of a weight, what's the hardest part of that, the hardest moment? Some people will say just getting to the gym, and that's true. But if you can do 10 reps, what is the hardest rep? Like the say, 11th well, rep. Ten, yeah. It's the 11th rep, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's the one you can't do yet. But if you're willing to push through that threshold, that's where all growth happens. So – and I show people step-by-step how to deal with those thresholds. It's one of the biggest missing pieces in all personal growth because that's where all the growth happens. And we often always give up at that moment. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the, the analogy of water boiling. What, I don't know what the temperature is. Let's say it's 150 degrees. I'm sure I'm wrong, but at 149, it's not boiling. Yet. So, but at 150, it begins to boil. Yep. So, so it's really important that we, we understand that piece. It's, that it, but the other thing I want to say is that it doesn't have to take long because for a lot of your listeners, they've been activating a lot of energy through their desire, through their efforts, whether it's visualization, meditation, prayer, or just desire. That's like all of that energy is being activated and it's sort of being held in an energetic escrow account. Or you can think of it like, like a hose, you know, it's all kinked up. And you turn on the water and nothing comes out. So you keep turning it up and turning it up and turning it up. And you don't realize there's kinks. And you're like, what's going on? And then eventually you find the kinks and you want to kink it. And it's like, it all bursts out. Mm-hmm. That's what happens for a lot of people when they start doing this work because they've already turned up 
the water pressure, so to speak, in their lives, but their hoses can't. Their channels are blocked because they're stagnated. They're not circulating. So when they start okay. to do this work, a lot of people have big breakthroughs actually rather quickly. Mm-hmm. But they've been, it's, you know, it's like that overnight success that took 10 years sometimes. But when it happens, it happens exactly. big. Exactly. So you, you talk about, Derek, you talk about wealth shadows. Uh, how, what are they and how do they sabotage uh, people's opportunities for success? Because, you know, we have to know our shadow side. That's part you shed light. Uh, yes. You know, the shadow, uh, the darkness is really just the absence of light. You shine light on it. And you, even if it's yourself, you get to, it's good to know your shadow self. Um, at part of, it's part of your whole. Um, so these wealth shadows, Absolutely. what are they and how do they get in the way of people uh, making things happen that they want to have happen? So I'll, I'll share two analogies for that. The first one is the okay. soil because we're talking about nature. So the soil is made up of everything that has died and decayed. It's literally concentrated death. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty intense. Um, and it's the better the the more smelly and gross and dark it is, the better it is, the more fertile it is. We have been trained to get rid of all the dirt, all the darkness, all the smelly, gross stuff that we don't like or understand or that's so dark and mysterious. Mm-hmm. So if a seed tried to grow the way we've been trained, it would pray away all the dirt. And the sun would come out, shine on the seed, and burn it up. It would burn into a crisp. Um, so fortunately, it plants itself in that darkness so the darkness isn't just the lack of light. It's actually the, the polarity. There's the positive and the negative charge. You cannot truly have circulation if you don't have both selflessness and selfishness. You can't have a true abundance if you don't have both greediness and givingness. We call it greedy or selfish because we have a shadow around it, but it's the polarity. In every mm-hmm. working circuit, you have positive and negative, right? You would, try to, would you ever try to ch- run a battery only plugging it into the positive charge? Exactly. Of course not. Mm-hmm. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So the circuit of the positive negative charge is the negative is the void. It pulls the positive energy into it, and that produces the simulation of motion, and that shoots it back around the circuit until eventually you've got energy flowing and circulating. You must have both. So for us, We've been trained to think all these things we don't like. You know, when we're growing up, we have experiences, and we get a message like, okay, I stood up, and I asked for what I want, and Mommy said, why are you being so selfish? And I felt shamed and scared. So I was like, ooh, selfish, bad. Let me repress that part of me. And now I'm like, i got to figure out a way to survive. I'll be more helpful, more – I'll be Mommy's little boy, Mommy's little helper. And as a result, you develop that counterbalance, but now you're – out of balance. And the other part, the selfishness, becomes the shadow. And you grow up for a while, and for a while, being the giving, good person, caretaker, people pleaser works, but at a certain point in your development, it stops. And that's when problems ensue, and you get overwhelmed and burned out and resentful, and you can't seem to break through. And you, and you think, I just need to be a better person, a more helpful, a more giving person. You exacerbate the problem. It's like, I'm just going to breathe out, breathe out, breathe out, breathe out. You die, right? You have to breathe mm-hmm. in too. You have to have a complete circuit. So what I show people in the shadow part of this is that when it comes to wealth, success, abundance, the reason our circuit is broken and we're not circulating the energy to have the abundance in our life is that we only have one piece of the law of circulation and we have to embrace 
that part that we've been rejecting. Like for me, I'll just quickly say this and turn it back to you if you have another question. When I was growing up, I got the experience, the more successful my dad became, um, the, the, the worse our family became. And he didn't understand my artistic ways. He was a businessman. You know, I used to joke, he thought Pearl Jam was something you put on toast. And I thought <laughs> Dow Jones was his business partner, Mr. Jones. And, um, you know, and, and so I rejected those qualities, business, success, go get, go, uh, go getting this, whatever that word is. Um, uh, you know, that whole energetic of that side of life, I rejected it. And as a result, when I grew up, as an artist trying to be successful, it was really, really hard. And then when I got married and had kids and a mortgage, I was like, oh, wow, I better figure this stuff out. And I yep. began to apprentice again under those parts, and I had to embrace those parts of me. When I healed those parts, not by getting rid of them, but by integrating them again, all of a sudden my life began to work in terms of being able to manifest and produce results where I couldn't because now I had a, a circuit that was repaired there was circulation again and I had the energy and the clarity and whatever I needed to make progress. So that's the value of the shadow is it's not about these shadows are these bad, terrible things you have to understand so you can eventually get rid of them. They Mm -hmm. are, as you said, critical parts of our, of our nature that we have to integrate and understand. And when we do that, it doesn't become a monster. You know, the devil becomes an angel again, evil is just live spelled backwards. It's inverted. So when we embrace those parts of us, we turn all the darkness, all the pain, all the shame into fresh power and energy and insight and all of that. Huge. It's really, really a major, major, mm-hmm. major piece for people. As part of that, Derek, um, you also talk about, uh, and these are issues that I think so many people uh, struggle with, taking back, uh, how to take back your power and also moving out of the, the victim mode. Um, talk to yeah. us a little bit about that. I know it's, it's, it's part of what you just discussed, but see if you can uh, yeah. build a little bit more on that. Absolutely. Well, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about that, right? Because, um, we have been born and enculturated and conditioned as we've been talking about to believe that we showed up here as empty shells and we got to go fill that shell up. And so, and the way to do that is we have to identify the people and the places and the conditions that have our stuff, our love, our, our opportunity, our abundance, whatever. And so we go on a journey to go get all these things. But in order to do that, we now have to believe that someone or something outside of us is our source. And when you believe something is your source, you have to start giving up your power. You have to start selling off your power piece by piece to get safety, security, support, or supply until eventually you're so twisted into a pretzel. There's very little circulation. You feel very disempowered. You feel like you're a victim that life out there is happening to you instead of happening for you and through you. And you then have to create more coping mechanisms and compulsive mechanisms and addiction to not feel the pain of feeling so repressed and powerless. And on and on goes the story of being a human being. When you understand what we're talking about today, you reverse that whole story because you realize that was all false. Nobody ever was your source. You know, this is the ancient meaning or the esoteric meaning of Thou shalt have no other God before me. That's not a religious, ooh, you should be afraid of God. 
um, that's a principle of when you put your source outside of you, the universe is set up to fail you. Why? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're going to be disempowering yourself and you're not going to be able to produce the fruit that you're here for. And what happens to a branch that's not producing fruit? It gets pruned. So in, and that's in all of nature. If something's not connected to its source and producing its fruit, nature has lots of mechanisms to get rid of that so that the energy can keep circulating in the ecosystem. The same thing is true with us. So this whole t- framework reverses all of that and shows us how to get back in touch with our source. As I like to say, no longer leaning on resource, but on the source. And it's not woo-woo. You don't mm-hmm. have to be a believer. It's not about God. God is not a man on a cloud. It's about there is a, a source within us, like a plug you can plug into, where your power, your wisdom, your guidance, everything you need already exists. So when you flip that and you get that and then you learn how to live by that or from that, you don't, you're never a victim again. That doesn't mean there's not challenges. But now you know whenever you feel like a victim – What I show in the book is whenever you feel like a victim, whether it's at the job you hate, in a relationship that's not working, or you're alone and you can't find a good person to be with, and you always feel like disempowered in the victim, I show you how to take back your power and now turn on that power plan and start generating the experience that you want directly from yourself. Awesome. Let me take that one more step, and then uh, we'll we'll wrap it. you talk about, and I think this is so important, and it's in this kind of the same vein of what we've been talking about, is abundance uh, doesn't matter, uh, has nothing really to do with your current situation and circumstances. And you also talk about activating your dream from a place of discomfort. And uh, I think your experience is, is a, a good example of that. Could you talk to us a little bit about that, Derek? Yeah, so the premise or the promise of the premise in the Abundance Project is that no matter what conditions you're facing – they have no power to prevent you from creating the life you want because your life is being created from out of you. And in those conditions where it seems like the obstacles are insurmountable, um, what is really happening, if there's chronic challenges, it's really a message that you've been trying to survive in a world that's too small for you now. So you've activated all this energy you want something more, you want to be more, do more, have more. That's activating this energy. It's trying to come through you, but it's getting stuck and stagnated mm-hmm. because your channels aren't open because you're still waiting for the world to change, and so you're not circulating. The result of that stuck energy begins to produce symptoms, and we call those problems. You know, Like if energy is stuck in a tree, what happens to the branch? It starts to stagnate. It's not working. And if you think of the branches of a tree, like the different branches of your life, health, wealth, work, relationships, et cetera, the mistake we've made is we have a problem in that area. We try to fix it in the branch when the problem was really in the roots and in the right. circulation, right? So, so that's, that's the big shift that we have to make is understanding that the problem isn't in those challenges, but here's the really good news. That challenge is not happening um, to stop you or because you're bad or because you're a sinner or you get bad karma or you've done something wrong. It's showing up as an opportunity to get stronger. Just like mm-hmm. when you go to a gym and you lift a weight, you don't wish the weight would, be, would not be heavy at all so that it's easy because then you wouldn't grow. That would be silly, right? 
You don't go to a school and say, okay, I want to be able to ace everything and nothing to be hard because you want to grow. So life is producing for you just like it does in nature. You know, nature has forest fires and storms and all kinds of tumult. It's happening by design because the forest fire cracks open the seed pods, um, kills off the dead wood, Mm -hmm. opens up the canopy, does all kinds of amazing things that produce more evolution and growth. And we've been trained to avoid the forest fires, to make them wrong, to be afraid of them. And then when they come, we just want to put the fire out rather than letting the fire forge our transformation. And so when we have a hard time, it's showing up as an opportunity for some part of us is trying to emerge, but we need to strengthen that structure or channel in some way so that it can emerge and so that it can emerge in a sustainable way. I'll I'll say one last quick analogy for this. When the chicken is in an egg, at a certain point, it outgrows the egg. It's it's cramped. Mm -hmm. It runs out of food. It's hungry. It's surrounded by its own waste product. It stinks. So it's cramped, hungry, and it stinks. A lot of you can relate, (laughs) right? So now if we just were like, oh, you poor chicken, let's let you out of that terrible circumstance. What's going to happen to the chick is it's going to die because it's not ready yet. But the chicken, fortunately, has its own instinct. So it starts looking for the food. It starts focusing on where's the opportunity here? Where's the nourishment here? And as it does that, it strengthens its lungs and its wings. So, and, and it cracks the shell. And now it's free, and now it's strong and capable to thrive in a bigger world. That is exactly what's happening in our challenging times and what I show people how to work with you know, in the book. Okay. Um, last thought. Um, you know, it, it, what it sounds like, and from what I've read in your book, that you know, and what you're saying now, and fr- frankly, you've done a wonderful job. You have a very clear vision of what you're uh, teaching people. So, congratulations oh, on you. that. It's not easy. You have it all thought out, and that's great. So, I have a lot of respect for well, the work you're doing. This is important, Robert, because that's because none of this is theory. This is mm-hmm. lived, practiced, time-tested with hundreds of thousands of people and in the laboratory of my own life. So I won't teach anything that isn't proven and practiced and duplicatable. And so when I talk it. about it, it's not like I've memorized anything. It's because I live it every day. Mm-hmm. I just want people to understand that. There's a lot of theories out there and trends, and, but they're not built on principles. And this is mm-hmm. built on universal principles. So they work for everybody if you know how to work them. Yep. And it, it sounds like uh, kind of where I was going with this is that um, you have to you can't wait around for things to happen. That circulation thing about That's getting right. out there and making it happen. I find full as a as a writer and a creator, I, I'm finding myself sometimes I'm like, I got to get out and uh, I got to get the word out there. Yeah. You can't just be doing the work. You have to put it out there. And even even love is an action. So uh, yes. how important is that? Just drill down it's, one, one it, little bit more about the importance absolutely. of circulation, it's the everything. importance of action, and making it happen. It's everything. And I want to, yeah, it's important to clarify what action really is and what it's for. Again, because everything's in you and life doesn't happen to you, but it happens through you, whatever you're waiting for, you're actually waiting with and weighing it down. And so I call this the ultimate weight loss program, <laughs> W-A-I-T. <laughs> Fantastic. And, um, 
right? I say it's time to get off our big fat assets. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I love it. So um, and stop having a wishbone and have a backbone. Okay, but I'm fine. <laughs> um, so, so the key is is that <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a nut, everybody. You know, I'm a freak, and it's okay. We have to let our freak flag fly. Uh, you know, the Bible didn't say the meek will inherit the earth. It said the freak will inherit the <laughs> yeah. earth. It's a typo. Um, so, so here's the thing. So uh, it's all about the circulation. If you're waiting for something, you are saying it's either going to come in the future or it's, uh, you know, maybe never going to come. But the action piece, there's, there's four pillars of producing any result. There's the habit of thinking, the habit of feeling, the habit of being and the habit of doing those four pieces must be increasingly aligned or congruent with the thing you want, the life you want to live. Again, as Gandhi said, you must become the change you want to see in the world. Yep. So action is one of the four pillars. And what happens is a lot of people will do all this inner work or, you know, but they won't then act on it. And ultimately your action is your true religion. You want to know what anybody really believes? Look at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And because you can say all kinds of things, but if you're not doing it, you don't believe it. Faith without works is dead. Now, the one thing I want to say is that it's not action to go make stuff happen. It's action to let more out of you that's already there. You're making mm-hmm. it welcome. And that's well an important said. distinction, right? And you use these four pillars by thinking, um, feeling, being, and doing in alignment with the life you say you stand for and want to live. Think of it like tuning the dial of your radio to the station where your favorite music is already playing because you're either Frequency. tuned into K-R-I-C-H, yep. K-Rich, or K-L-A-C-K, mm-hmm. k And when you align yourself, when you tune the, vi- the, the dial up to the frequency, right now we're all in, inundated with broadcasts, but they're not manifest in our experience yet. So when you tune the dial to the frequency where that station's playing, that station becomes manifest. You have the music, the rhythm of joy, the beat of abundance, but that wasn't in your distance or in the future. It was broadcasting right where you are, but it wasn't manifest until you were in alignment with it. So actions, feelings, beliefs, being, all of that together dials, tunes the dial of your energy, of your circuitry to be a match for the station where your dreams and destiny are already broadcasting. And when you do it, you get, you, you suddenly, the music is manifest, or I like to say you have a manifestation. It's there. And, and, and the action is a critical component to that, because as I said, if you're not acting, you're not circulating, you're not generating, you're not releasing, as the poet Robert Browning said, the imprisoned splendor that's already, already within you. Fantastic. Hey, Derek, I really enjoyed uh, all your work and also getting to know you and uh, our conversation. So thanks. I hope we can do it again. And um, best of luck with Abundance Project. It's fantastic. And uh, please tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, where they can pick up the book. You have a podcast, uh, all of it. Let us know. Absolutely. So you can obviously get the book wherever fine books are sold, Amazon, all that. But if you want to get additional support from me live, um, and my team, if you go to www.theabundanceprojectbook.com um, and get it through Amazon or whatever there, you're going to get another $1,238 in live coaching, mastermind support, the tools that, that will help ensure that you really do get results from the book. We don't want the book to be shelf help. 
where you walk by yourself, how beautiful yourself right. is, right? We want it to become real in your life. So I'm going to give you that extra support if you go get it at theabundanceprojectbook.com. While you're waiting, you can go to the podcast of the same name, The Abundance Project. Great. Well, listen, Derek, thanks for taking the time out. Thanks for being so generous with your tips uh, for our audience. And uh, thanks for being a guy's guy. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Take care, everyone. All right. Be good. Thank you, Derek. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to wrap up the show with our Guys, Guys, Guide of the Week. Our special guest, once again, has been Derek Rydell. His book is The Abundance Project, and his other book is uh, Emergence. So check him out. It's really great stuff. All right, I'm back. And uh, Guys, Guys Radio, uh, as you know, you can find Guys, Guys Radio on TuneIn, on Stitcher, on Blog Talk Radio, and iTunes. If you love, like what we're doing, this is uh, podcast number 265. I'm booked uh, into August now, and I'm just getting more and more publicists sending me people every day. So it's really starting to grow. Our audience is growing. So we're having a lot of fun with this. And hopefully we're, we're helping people uh, at the same time. So uh, thank you. Um, let me tell you a little bit about, um, what my guys, guys guide of the week is. I'm going to talk about, uh, usually I touch on something that I've blogged about and it's like over 300 blog posts on my website, robertmanny.com. You can also catch me, of course, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and the book, the novel where the whole thing started. And it did start with a novel, the guys, guys guide to love. And you pick that up at your bookstore, Amazon and my website, robertmanny.com. But I'm going to talk about, um, you know, whatever inspires me. And today I was thinking about staying in shape at any age, because I know so many people, I'm a boomer. I know a lot of dudes out there. They've got artificial hip, hips, uh, et cetera. They've had di- di- people getting different operations on their on their uh, thyroid, on their colon, and everybody's taking meds and everything. And uh, it's tough, but you can stay in shape. Uh, if, and the way to do it, uh, if you're a boomer, is a couple of things. One, uh, get started and, and start slowly. So come up with something, just do a little bit, but do a little bit every day. You got to be consistent. So if you can, you want to do some push-ups, you know, you may not want to do them the second you jump out of bed because you don't want to, you know, risk anything. But after you kind of, uh, if you do some affirmations or whatever, you might want to pound out some push-ups. If you're just starting, start with a few. See if you can do a few, the same amount for, you know, a week. Then you add one. Then you add five. Then you add ten. And your strength level, you know what? At any age, age is a number for the most part. Um, you can You can do it. Uh, same thing with either running or cardio. Start slow. You know, you want to do at least 20 minutes of stuff because that's, it takes uh, 20 minutes to get the heart rate and fat burning going. But, you know, if you're on the elliptical or whatever, don't crank it up. I keep it up, up to 11 because I've been doing it for years and it's like nothing. I don't even hold the handrails. I just, you know, just march along. And I also, for 10 to 15 minutes, I put my arms out and roll my shoulders uh, and it just makes it even tougher. But listen, I'm just bragging right now, so forgive me. But just start slow, and, you know, if you do 20 minutes, keep it at a low level, and then over time, you adjust it a little bit more, a little bit more. But it's about starting slow, doing something, and then adding to it, being consistent, and then adding a little bit to it, adding a little bit to it. And another thing that's important if you're, uh, if you're like a boomer, like myself, is uh, mix it up. Don't do the exact same thing. I fall into a rut where I'll, like, I'm going to do – one hour on the elliptical, I'm going to do 20 curls with this barbell, I'm going to do 15 uh, uh, 
lateral raises. I'm going to do 30 uh, tricep pull downs. You know, it, you, you want to mix it up a little bit and you want to do real life stuff too. Just working out in the gym is, is not, it, you, know, you might build muscle and you get some cardio and all that, but doing stuff, build something, use your hands, take the stairs, walk. Those are things that really uh, make a big difference. And you, you look better, too. You, you don't want that uh, too much symmetry. You want, to, you want to look like you, you, know, you work. You do things. You use your hands. Uh, cut the lawn. Paint your house. Clean the gutters. Whatever. Whatever it is. You know, that stuff is good for you. Um, rest and recovery. You want to rest. Because if you're older, you gotta you got to give yourself a chance to your body to recuperate. And as part of that, you have to also listen to your body. So if your body says, ah, not today, you know, it might be just you're being a wimp or it might be, no, your body says, hey, we got to take a rest here. We got to re- rebuild. Listen to your body. Be smart. You got to be, you have that, that, that ring savvy. You have to be a wily veteran. So, uh, uh, rest and recover, use your mind and also, uh, keep, be mindful of your diet. Um, you know, abs are made in the kitchen, not in the gym and any bodybuilder or fitness athlete will tell you that it all comes down to what you eat. Um, and it's so important nowadays because with the processed food and the GMOs and the pesticides and you got to really, really do your homework and know what to eat. And also, you have to learn. It's a, I, I would recommend strongly learning about supplementation, what to take, what not to take, and uh, and go organic as much as possible. Because and use a water filter, because uh, it's a toxic environment we're in sometimes. So as part of that, I always do. That's my guy's guy's guide, how to stay fit at any any age. And I'll be blogging about it. It should be out um, probably Friday on my website, but. The guy's guy of the week, which I mentioned earlier in the show, is actually a lady. Her name is Ida Keeling, and she, like myself, lives in Harlem, and she's 102 years old. And she just set, the, in February, the 60-meter dash world record for the 100 to 104 age group at the Imperial Day Track Classic in Manhattan. And uh, you got to give it to her. She's doing it. And I, there's a picture of her in the paper, and she looks fantastic. Uh, so... Just remember, age is a number, know your body, know your heart, and uh, make it happen. So that's our show. Next week, we have a uh, a spiritual teacher, Steve Harefield, who's a really interesting guy. I look forward to having him on the show. And uh, if you're in the Northeast, um, it's going to be a sunny day tomorrow. So the the winter, this is the winter, winter's last gasp, I predict. We're going to get past this. I usually think it's like St. Patrick's Day is the end, but I think I think we're going to move slowly move out of this, and I don't think we're going to have any more big storms uh, this winter. And it hasn't been that bad, so uh, let's grin and bear it. And uh, once again, thanks for uh, listening to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host Robert Manny, and as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>